Welcome to Hear Women Tell. This is Chris Hillenberg, your host, where we interview professional storytellers and get the story behind the story. And today we have Laura J. Bobrow with us. She's from uh, Leesburg, Virginia. She has been a magazine editor and an author, a folk singer, a sculptor, a painter, a poet, a lyricist. The list goes on. I'm telling you, Laura, you've done a lot of things. Well, all, all leading up to the same thing. Which is storytelling? Which is storytelling. I found that all those different things, all the visual things and the metrical things, all ended up in storytelling altogether. Right, right. It's interesting because I look at your, what you've done in your interests and, uh, you and I actually have a lot of things in common because I was in, I, uh, used to play up in Boston as a, at the old uh, Vienna Coffee House. I was a folk singer. And uh, I also have written my own uh, songs. So when I saw this, I thought, wow, this is the, you know, Laura has a lot. We have a lot in common. And the fact that you are a crossword puzzle champion. No, no, I'm not the champion. It's my sister. Oh, your sister is? Yes, who is the national senior champion of the United States. Oh wow! Do you do cross and, and the most decorated? Oh, in in the country, uh, I don't. I I make up double cross sticks. Oh yeah! I don't know if you know what those are. I do. I do. I know. But but we grew up in a family which used words. My father was a a very good storyteller, and he used storytelling as teaching for us, and. Um, and and there were always uh, birthday poems and, and, you know, we used words a lot. And uh, she grew up being a champion and I, if you gave me the grid and asked me to copy it, could not copy it as fast as she can solve. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. It's really extraordinary. So where did you grow up? In Mount Vernon, New York. Mm-hmm. Hotbed of uh, creativity, apparently. Many people came from there. And who came from there? Oh, uh, authors and uh, white and, and TV personalities and all sorts of people. Oh, that's great. And um, so it was a good environment in which to grow. Mm-hmm. And, of course, different from these days. Right. Very different, I'm sure. Right. And um, I, was, um, I, I really uh, was there and then in New York City where I was on the board of the New York Storytelling Center for a while and then I moved here to Leesburg away from family away from friends just to have a new experience in my life Mm, how long ago was that I you know it's hard for me to remember dates but I know that I was here for four years before somebody said to me you know you might be going to fit right in (laughs) (laughs) tell me a little bit about your your educational background well I um, uh, it really was a former life, and my degree is in education, but my specialty was physical therapy. Mm. And uh, I was 11 years out of school before I began to practice mm. and gave it up rather quickly. And gave it up because you, you went to something else, picked your interest? Or? Well, um, meanwhile, I was writing and... and uh, painting and doing sculpture and it, those were my interests and so I uh, and also didn't have my license mm. 
for practicing in New York, so it was very easy to give up and to go toward these other things. I always wanted to do many things. I never wanted to be uh, just just one kind of... It was like sitting on the beach. Everyone was sitting on the beach, and I had put my toes in the water and found it good. Mm-hmm. And I was not going to just go back and sit on the beach. I wanted all the experiences. Oh, yeah. Great example. Great example. Uh, I, I have the same thing. I have, my interests are so broad. And I really, you know, some people say, well, you should just choose one to focus on. But I just can't seem to do that. You're right. Everyone says, well, why don't you just concentrate on being the one best of the things that you like? And no, it's all. But in storytelling, it all comes together. Oh, I agree with you. And and then there's another reason why I tell. Uh, It's really because I couldn't sell my work. (laughs) (laughs) I was really I I was sending material out to be published picture books that that went pretty far toward getting published and then uh, my work is gentle Mm. and and modern day editors are looking for edgy right right and I really gave up trying to to uh, to sell uh, I was at a writer's conference, and I met there a storyteller, Rafe Martin, who mm-hmm. was talking about turning a told story into a picture book. And that was the first I had heard about storytelling. Mm. So I rushed up and asked him about storytelling. I was on a panel with him within a year. Wow. Because it was just something that was natural to me, and I got so much joy, and it became a matter of sell or tell, and I found that I enjoyed telling right. more than selling. I mean, well, I would like it, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, well, I know a lot of storytellers will will put their work in book form, and then when they do perform, they'll have that available to the audience to purchase. Actually, I am publishing a book now online. Um but it's not it's not my original work. Hmm. I, I was asked by the uh, National Museum of Women in the Arts to tell Italian Renaissance stories at a festival they were having. Hmm. And um, I said I knew them, but of course I didn't. And thank goodness for the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so I found I found online the stories of Giambattista Basili, hmm. who wrote in. Um, in the late 1500s and what he did was collect oral tales from around Naples and Venice and he wrote them down in in Neapolitan Italian which is flamboyant and embellished it was very hard to I can only work from translation of course but it was very hard to pick the story plot Mm. from all these two-page descriptions of the dawn you know so I I am putting all 49 stories, there are, there are 49 stories and a cover story. I'm putting all 49 stories into narrative verse and mm. publishing them on my webpage uh, so that they are available to storytellers and educators. And, and I'm going straight for the plot. Mm. So if you, if you turn to Basili's version of Cinderella, you will find the plot. She murders her stepmother, by the way. <laughs> I wondered why she hadn't done that in the original, the other version. <laughs> and Sleeping Beauty is the only one who doesn't fall asleep. You know, there there are some 
typical motifs and some stories that are familiar and some that are not. And um, I, it's just that, that I felt that they should be made, the plot should be easily accessible. Right. And so that's what I'm doing. There are 49 stories. I've got 26 online so far. And these are posted where? On my webpage. Okay. And uh, if you go to www.laurajbobro.com and click on poetry, then you'll have access. Some of them I've voiced and some not yet. I intend to have them all voiced. Hmm. And um, they've been getting very good response, and I love doing them. I noticed you had a lot of things online that were uh, were actually recordings, MP3s. Uh, I listened to one this morning about the cricket. Ah, yes. You know, and so that's really, uh, it's great that, that you have these things out online where people can hear them. Uh, right, and I have CDs. I have four CDs. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Well, we're going to take a break right now, and we'll come back and talk more with Laura J. Bobro. On Hear Women Tell, this is Chris Hillenberg, and we'll be right back. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. All right, you ready? Can we get started? Oh, we're just going to do that one. Yeah. You ready? Okay. Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Donna. Join us Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on HearWomenTalk.com. <laughs> Why'd you add that? We added this part. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, start over. Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Donna. Join us Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on Hear Women Talk and laugh. Be engaged, be entertained, be there. For the Scott and Donna show. Yeah. I was supposed to say well, that. Well, you didn't underline it. Well, I'm supposed to say it, though. Okay, we'll say it. Just knock it off. Just be quiet. Say it. The Scott and Donna show. Awesome. You satisfied? Be there. All right. Tonight, take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit MyrtleBeachGhostWalk.com for advanced tickets. The Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Hello, race fans. This is Jeff Gilmer, creator of RacersReunion.com. When you're in Myrtle Beach, check out my favorite, the Caravel Resort. The Caravel Resort has a golf department and concierge with golf privileges at virtually every course on the Grand Strand, including the coveted Dunes Club. And ladies, pamper yourself with Caravel's Studio Spa. Featuring services such as Swedish massage, heated stone therapy, reflexology, manicures, pedicures, facials, and more. Awaken your senses with the most requested massage and spa therapies. The Caravel Resort, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 800-507-9145. Get the best rate on the Grand Strand when you use promo code RACERS at thecaravel.com. 800-507-9145. 
Ladies, have you tried Internet dating? Do you feel safe? Do you worry about Internet privacy? Well, you should. And this Thursday on Vicki Child's show, P.I. Answers, we have someone very special in the studio, Cynthia Harrington, a private eye who specializes in cyber investigations. Before you accept your next Internet date, talk to Cynthia. She'll tell you how to check out that guy on Match.com and how to stay safe. She'll be here live telling you P.I. secrets and answering your questions. That's Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell. This is Chris Hillenberg, where we interview professional storytellers and get the story behind the story. And we're talking to Laura J. Bobro. Uh, Laura, you know, I was I always like asking this question because I get so many different answers. But uh, what's your favorite thing about storytelling? Uh, well, it, it, first of all, it's a great joy to me, and and secondly, um, there are times when I'm telling certain times that stand out in my mind that I call storytelling moments. Mm. One of those, for instance, was I was um, I was asked to tell stories at a weekend camp for uh, run by the Hospice of Northern Virginia. And this was for children who had been bereaved, who had lost a parent or a sibling, and who were not dealing with it mm. well. And they used storytelling as one of the devices on this weekend. And I sat in front of a group of children, uh, perhaps there were 40 children, and all of them were listening to me, but I could not make contact with one little boy. Mm. He would not look at me. He would not make eye contact, and I forgot about the other 39. I wanted that kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I came to the last story in my set, and it was a story about, it was the silly man story, but it was uh, kind of uh, changed a little bit. And uh, Jack had gotten three lucky feathers from a dragon. He had taken them back, and uh, the fox... Um, asked what the dragon said about him and Jack said that uh, if he had the opportunity to eat a foolish man then he wouldn't be hungry anymore (laughs) and I said that the fox ate Jack but before he ate Jack Jack dropped those three feathers and they're floating around here somewhere in these hills and if you could just find them you would have all the luck in the world Hmm. And the little voice next to me said, I think I found two. Hmm. And that was a storytelling moment. Wow. I reached that kid. Oh, yeah, no kidding. And sometimes, though, sometimes it's frightening because people don't hear what you tell them. Hmm. What do you mean? Well, I was telling the story of um, Rasha Mataro. Do you know that? No, I don't. It's a Japanese folktale, and I thought I was telling... A time-lapse story. Urashima goes, he's a fisherman, he goes to sea. Uh, he stays with the princess of the sea for three days. And when he comes back, he's been gone 300 years. Hmm. And she has given him a box, which she told him never to open if he wishes to come back. And um, when he comes back and is confused, 
they can't find his home and the people are dressed differently and he sees an old woman uh, he asks her where is the home of Arash Mataro and she tells him that uh, she remembers a story that 300 years ago and fishermen went to sea and he says no I am Arash Mataro and he opens the box mm. and the great white cloud comes out covers him he, and I make a big scene about hair falling out teeth falling out <laughs> in wrinkling, you know, he, yeah, yeah. he falls to the sand uh, and his bones disintegrate with the sand and the only thing left is the cloud going out to sea saying his name Urashima hmm. Urashima and a sixth grader I think it was sixth grade in Southport Connecticut sent me a picture of that he had drawn about that story hmm. and he drew um, he said ashes to ashes and dust to dust he drew an old man on the sand he drew a skeleton on the sand he drew the cloud going out to sea, and over it all he wrote Hiroshima. Oh. And I thought, oh, that's what I've been telling him. Wow. Not a time warp story. So uh. You never know. Wow. You never know what Kids are just doing. amazing, aren't they? Kids and, and adults, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I wrote a ghost story, which was uh, performed, it won a contest, so it was being performed in Salem, Massachusetts. And uh, by three different actresses, you know, they would take turns telling mm -hmm. my story. And I was there one night, and two of them did very well. The third one changed it. Mm. <laughs> so I went up to her, and I identified myself and said that I was the author of the story. She was not contrite. Mm. She tried to convince me that wasn't that really what happened to the boy? Isn't that what I meant to write? <laughs> and, and you said <laughs> uh, well you know any story is your story right, right. Uh, uh, one of my stories was published in story uh, another Japanese folk tale you know a version was published in storytelling magazine mm -hmm. and I had an email from someone in Canada who asked permission to use my version she said because I love your description of the ogre and I love you know she told me the things she liked and she really particularly liked the fact that the woman opened a restaurant at the end. And I I read what I had written again, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, yes, this woman sold rice cakes to her neighbors, but I had pictured a lemonade stand type thing. Mm -hmm. And this woman had a whole restaurant. <laughs> so I wrote back and said, you have my permission, but the restaurant is yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know you do a lot of workshops, too. Uh, tell me about your workshops. Yes, I enjoy that. First of all, there are two. One is the uses of poetry and storytelling. That's always fun. Mm -hmm. uh, but one I do very frequently with teachers and uh, educators is finding your own voice. Mm. And what I do is is uh, go in with a group of stories and they can pick one of five stories, let's say. And uh, we work on visualizing what's in the story. Actually, if there's time, you can make a list of a hundred objects in a story, objects including the weather and, you know, buttons and mm -hmm. mustaches and everything. And then sticking to the motifs of the story, they do storyboards and then they tell parts of the story. And, and what comes out is astounding. Oh, yeah. The things that they see that I've never seen, you know. 
they, it, it's really extraordinary. So it's a matter of uh, visualization and what one must change because if we're talking about kings, we can't help thinking about kings on thrones with crowns. We don't necessarily see them in caves. Right. You know, so, mm-hmm. so stories do change. And this is a, a workshop about finding your unique voice because everyone has a different take. And I'm, I'm, yeah, and I'm taking it, it's not so much vocally as it is your interpretation. Right. It's it's what you see, what the pictures you see. Mm-hmm. And um, do I see uh, Jack as as a twelve year old blonde kid barefoot, or do you see him as uh, dark haired uh, wearing a toga? I mean, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. It, it, you're seeing something different. We do not see the same things. Mm. That was another interesting thing. If if you have time for it, sure. I would, go ahead. I always use um, with children anyway. I use this business of of seeing different things, and I I went to a school, a disadvantaged school in the Bronx, New York, and it was before Easter, and they had a duck pond and a little duckling swimming around. So I spent some time playing and admiring the ducklings, you know, with them. <clears throat> and then I said, well, close your eyes. We're going to do, make, do an experiment. And I said, chair. And then they opened their eyes and they told me what kind of chairs they had seen. A rocking chair or a desk chair, you know, they, they mm-hmm. described them. And I tried one or two other things. And then I said, now close your eyes. And I said, duck. And every kid in that room ducked out of the way. <laughs> I was thinking duckling, and I didn't say duckling. I should have. But mm-hmm. you say duck to this this group, and they right. they duck. And that's uh, that's part of the. I know you do uh, storytelling by theme, where you choose words. Is that it? You're you're just picking out certain words that you use to put a story together. Um, I do that sometimes when I write, yes, mm-hmm. but but for themes for stories, I have more than 600 stories, poems, anecdotes in my repertoire. Mm. So when I'm asked to tell, I go with a huge list, and and I might take a theme of um, of animals or time or, you know, whatever, and I look at the group and I decide what stories are. So to, to fit the group more... Right. You know, what your sense is of what the what the group well, is all about. Sometimes, you know, um, you're really up against it. And my um, storytelling hour was raffled off at the New York City Opera. Hmm. And the woman who bought me invited me to a Park Avenue apartment for a 50th birthday party. White-gloved waiters. Everyone knew everyone else. No one knew me. Mm-hmm. And one man came up to me and he said, I hear that you're a storyteller. And I said, yes. He said, well, my mother used to tell me stories about things like the north wind, and I hated it. Oh. <laughs> I stood in front of the fireplace there, and I got their attention. I'm told for about an hour, and that man was in storytelling trance the entire time. Uh. Eyes rolled up, you know, mouth hanging open. And he had the grace to follow me to the elevator, and he said, thank you. That was good. He said, but you didn't tell about the north wind. (laughs) And I said, actually, when we were up on the mountain, the north wind was blowing, but you didn't hear it. (laughs) 
That's my favorite audience, adults uh, who think they don't like storytelling. It's, it's quite a challenge, I'm sure. And, you know, I know that you've done work with the New York City Opera and the uh, New York Philharmonic Orchestra. And, yes, and that can be... got a chance to narrate with a local Loudoun symphony. That was fun. Oh, okay, yeah. And so those are very different audiences than, say, uh, preschool children or even in uh, storytelling festivals. Those are very different audiences. But, you know, it seems to me like that you really have such a broad array of uh, um, stories and understanding of people that you can really, you know, make your what you're doing fit that each and every audience. And I think that's wonderful. I try to do that. It's very flattering to do that, but I do try to do that. Yeah. Well, we're going to take another break, and we'll be right back with Hear Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers. This is Chris Hillenberg. We'll be right back. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Hi, folks. This is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at abramsforensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at abramsforensics.com. That's abramsforensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code H. All right, you ready? Can we get started? We're just going to do that one. Yeah. You ready? Okay. Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Donna. Join us Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on (laughs) hearwomentalk.com. Why'd you add that? We added this part. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, start over. Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Donna. Join us Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on Hear Women Talk. And laugh. Be engaged. Be entertained. Be there. For this Scott and Donna show. Yeah. I was supposed to say well, that. Well, you didn't underline it. Well, I'm supposed to say it, though. Okay, we'll say it. Just knock it off. Just Be quiet. Say it. The Scott and Donna show. Awesome. You satisfied? Be there. All right. Are you hungry and looking for something delicious and healthy, convenient, quick, and value-packed? Check out our favorite, Jimmy Zabachi. Everything is sizzling and cooked precisely to order, and they use only the freshest ingredients, including sterling silver premium meats. Try their $5 daily lunch chicken plate with fried rice and veggies, or check out their Korean beef lunch plate with sesame and soy and just a slight touch of sweetness. Mmm. For dinner, try their mouth-watering salmon, mahi-mahi, scallops, or tender, juicy filet mignon. You can dine in or take out, and they even have a drive-up window. Jimmy Zabachi delivers, too. Open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m., conveniently located in Myrtle Beach on the corner of Kings Highway and 62nd Avenue North. Call ahead with your order at 839-8008 and download their discount coupon on the hearwomentalk.com website. Scrumptious, fast, healthy, satisfying, and reasonably priced. You'll love Jimmy's Hibachi, 839-8008. 
Tonight, take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit MyrtleBeachGhostWalk.com for advanced tickets. The Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. This is Dottie Laster, the host of Trafficked, an hour-long discussion about human trafficking in the United States. Join me as we meet guests from around the world and locally who are combating the fastest-growing crime in the world. Join us every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk Radio. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell. This is Chris Hillenberg, and today we're talking to Laura J. Bobro. Uh, Laura, I, I know that you, you, one of your main loves is poetry, and uh, you use poetry, you, you actually tell stories within poetry, and I was wondering if you could share some of that with us today. Yes, um, uh, I'd be glad to because I, that's really one of my main thrusts, I, in the manner of the old bards. But, but I sometimes find it easier to tell a story in verse than just to put my mouth around the prose. Mm. And uh, here's one, for instance, called A Medal for Timmy. And this is original. There were banners and screamers all over the street. Today was the day of the big pigeon meet. Timmy hopped on one foot as he waited in place. He was going to race in his very first race. He was far from his loft, but he knew how to go. Getting home is a thing that some pigeons just know. (laughs) Fly straight home, said the starter. No stopping to play. On your mark. It is time now to get underway. All the cages were placed in a row at the edge of a very high roof. Timmy stepped to the ledge, then he circled up high, and he turned to the west. I can win, Timmy thought. I'm as good as the rest. Timmy soared with the wind. This is fun, and what's more, I'm so fast. I'm so great, I'll have time to explore. Since they're all far behind me, I think I'll go see if this place that we're in is a good place to be. Down below was a park. In the park was a lake. In the lake, there was Timmy. Nah, that's a mistake. I'll go see, Timmy said. It won't take very long. Even though he'd been cautioned that stopping was wrong. Why, that bird, Timmy says, does the same things I do. He flew circles and loops, and the other did, too. Timmy puzzled it out while the others flew past. It was just my reflection, he giggled at last. But he was now down so low, he decided to land. A man gave him breadcrumbs right out of his hand. There were squirrels at play and a pink butterfly. In the meantime, the racers kept fluttering by. There were girls with a jump rope. He wanted to turn. Double Dutch shouted Timmy. There's so much to learn. (laughs) All at once he remembered. I really can't stay. What a bird. I'm supposed to be racing today. With a last look around him, he stretched and took flight. 
Not one of the birds in the race was in sight. Up ahead in the sky, he could make out a dot that perhaps was the tail of a pigeon or not. Hey, you guys, Jimmy called. Here I come. Hey, please wait. But he knew in his heart that it was really too late. He had stayed down too long, Timmy realized now. Well, here goes, Timmy said. I will try anyhow. But as hard as he flew with a mighty last pull, when he got to his loft, all the cages were full. Timmy noticed the judge. I'm a dodo, he sighed. That man has a box with some medals inside. All the medals were silver. On each it said, prize. And they were awarded according to size. The fastest in age group. The fastest per mile. I was last, Timmy thought. But my day was worthwhile. The judge gave a medal to every bird. For first place, for second, and even for third. Every bird had a medal. That is, all but one. And now it appeared that the judging was done. Is that all, Timmy asked him? That's all I can see. Look again, pleaded Timmy, for something for me. Very well, said the judge. I do want to be fair. Wait a minute. I think that there is something there. It was tiny and shiny and silver and round. I believe, Timmy said, that's metal you found. If it's not for the fastest or strongest of wing, it could still be awarded for some other thing. It was hung on his cage to the right of the door. If you look very closely, you'll see what it's for. Though the letters are small, it's as big as a dime. For Timmy, who raced for the very first time. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. And so um, that's, you know, really, and sometimes when I have trouble putting my mouth around the story and I, and I put it into rhyme, uh, then it works for me. Mm-hmm. And, Do you have yes. another one you can share with us? Yeah, this, this one came from, um, from the book called Odesta Romanorum, which is on hearing good counsel, which was uh, first published uh, in... Um, I think in, in 1824 in English, and it was published earlier than that in Latin, and Shakespeare and Goethe, and they all took lots of plots from that. And this was a story on hearing good counsel. I call it the wise bird and the silly man. Uh, there was once a bird, a very wise bird. He could sing all the songs he'd ever heard. His tail was green. His wings were blue. No bird knew the things that this bird knew. And there once was a man, a silly little man, I'll catch me some birds, I'll catch what I can. He crept through the forest with a long-handled net. I'll catch as many as I can get. The wise bird sat on the branch of a tree. Here I am, called the bird, bet you can't catch me. But the net swung high and the net swung wide and down came the net with a bird inside. Mm. Ah, said the man, you're not so smart. Oh, please, begged the bird from the bottom of my heart. I know three worthwhile things to know. I'll tell them to you if you let me go. Tell them first, said the man, and then we'll see. Very well, said the bird. Here's the first of three. Don't believe what anyone says to you if you know in your heart that it can't be true. 
And the second is this, have no regret. What is done is done. You must forget. Those are worthwhile things, the man agreed. If the third is as good, then you'll be freed. Listen then, said the bird, here's the third of three. Don't try the impossible uselessly. You've spoken the truth, said the man, so I must open my net and let you fly. The bird flew back to the branch of the tree. Ha ha, you shouldn't have listened to me. Inside my throat, I have a stone more precious than the emperor's throne. You could have been rich if you didn't let me go. And he laughed again. Ha ha, ho ho. The silly man jumped into the air. He stamped his feet and he tore his hair. The man wailed once and the man wailed twice. I've given over up a fortune for some good advice. Then he did a thing that was most absurd. He climbed the tree to try to catch the bird. Now a bird is as fast as a man is slow, and the further out on a branch you go, the thinner the wood, mm. as you know full well. The branch broke in two, and the silly man fell with a crunch and a crunch and a flick and a thwack. The silly man landed on his back. Oh, oh, he cried, you have killed me dead. Not I, said the bird. You forgot what I said. I said, don't believe what cannot be. Could a stone so big be inside of me? Hmm. I said not to have regrets, and then you wanted me in your net again, and you climbed the tree after me, who has wings, when I said not to try impossible things. Silly man, silly man, it's you who are wrong. The lessons that you learned didn't last very long. Silly man, silly man, go on your way, and you might catch a silly bird one fine day. <laughs> oh, that, I, I love how that I love how that comes back around. Yes. Um, um, as I as I said, I, I really tell uh, many many stories in verse. Mm. Although the stories that I'm putting into verse, the, the silly stories, uh, I usually tell in prose. So it, it depends. Right. Now you have several CDs out, right? Yes, I do. Well, can you tell us what they are? Well, I have. Um, remember the one is one is story poems. That's for um, children, but but you don't have to be young to enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And um, those are original, all original poems. And then there's there's one called I Wrote These For You, and they are for original stories. Those are good for, say, ages three to eight. And there's, um, there's one called From the Heart, and those are stories that I've told at Celtic festivals. Mm-hmm. They're retails. And one which is an anecdote, which consists of anecdotes, and uh, that's called Just Hanging Out. And that one won a um, Storytelling World Honors Award in, for 2009. Mm. So, um, and I list them on my webpage and have samples from them that you can hear. And, and and you tell folk tales, literary tales, original stories, short stories, poems. You have yes, a if, if I tell literary tales, they are old enough to be in the public domain. Mm-hmm. And then I try to be not word for word, but absolutely true to the to the uh, intent of the author. Right, right. Now that's the, the things you have to change uh, because of why because would. You- uh, you know, it's it's our our times and our understandings of the times. Right. 
uh, if you, a frog, uh, for instance, is no longer just a blob of protoplasm to us. Mm -hmm. But it was originally. Right. You know, and, and so. Well, I've really enjoyed our, our talk today. It's been very nice uh, meeting you and talking with you. Chris, I've loved it, and it could go on for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you? I hope we can sometime. Oh yeah. Well, we, you know what? We can always have you back. I'm telling you, we. I would. Uh, I. There's just so much. Only so much you can cover in this short amount of time. Um, tell us about how people can get in touch with you. Well, uh, I'm, my webpage has all the information, and that is www.laurajbobro.com. And no, no periods in there. Okay, and it's uh, L A U R A J B O B R O W, right? Right. Okay. And, and there they can click on um, on the CDs or all the poetry pages and read about me. Okay. And, like um, I said, I put your name in um, the uh, Google search, and I was amazed at all the things that came up. You, you're, you seem to be a very prolific person and uh, a great storyteller. Well, thank you very much. And Chris, I, I really enjoyed talking to you. And as I said, I hope we can do it more. Oh, absolutely. Well, this is Chris Hillenberg, and this has been Here Women Tell. We've been talking to Laura J. Bobro today. Please stay tuned because Linda Goodman will be with us next to cover the news and the reviews. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. If your spirit's weary and you need a word of encouragement, join me, Donna Tyson, for Rivers of Faith, Tuesday mornings from 10 to 11 Eastern Standard Time on Zeus Radio Network at hearwomentalk.com. Hi, folks. This is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all of your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at abramsforensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at abramsforensics.com. That's abramsforensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code this is Dottie Laster, the host of Trafficked, an hour-long discussion about human trafficking in the United States. Join me as we meet guests from around the world and locally who are combating the fastest-growing crime in the world. Join us every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk Radio. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers. I have Linda Goodman with us, and she's going to give us a review now. Who do you have today, Linda? Well, today I have a book by Becky Mushko, and the title of the book is Farrah Diddle Dumb Day. <laughs> Isn't that a mouthful? <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> nice little uh, tongue twister. Written by Becky Mushko, illustrated by Bruce Ray. That's R-A-E. Hmm. 
And Becky wrote this book in 1997 to showcase her friend Susan Alcadra's spinning abilities and to teach youngsters about the flora and fauna of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Mm. It was originally written to be told, but demand for copies led to its publication in the Blue Ridge Traditions magazine in 1998 and ultimately to this book. Farrah Diddledum Day is an Appalachian version of Rumpelstiltskin. A need for money prompts the heroine, Jilly, a master, to make a deal that appears to be a blessing but turns out to be a curse. In the end, bald-faced luck saves the day, and all live happily ever after. Those who have read Rumpelstiltskin will recognize the familiar motifs. The charm of Mushko's tale lies in its Appalachian authenticity. Her words paint pictures of mountains brimming with ticks, chiggers, rattlesnakes, and copperheads. Mm. When Jilly walks the mountains, she is loved by the pipsawa, the maidenhair ferns, and the dog-toothed violets, all of which beg her to pick them. Superstition plays a part, too, as bad omens appear in threes. Uh, Jilly spills salt. A bird flies through the cabin. And her father sees the moon over his left shoulder. Hence the appearance of a strange little man who hears the trees whistling themselves. Jilly's misfortune could very well be his gain. His magic could very well be her salvation. As every lover of fairy tales knows, however, magic comes at a price, and in this case a dear one. Bruce Ray's sketches enhance the story without overwhelming it. His attention to minute detail gives the reader a sense of both the Appalachian environment and the culture. He was a good choice to illustrate this book. The book includes a study guide that highlights the literature, history, geography, and science particular to the Appalachians. And a lovely and informative discussion should ensue. I think adults and children alike will enjoy this book. Mm. It's interesting. You, I was just uh, thinking about, um, you know, in, in different areas of the country, because you were talking about the superstitions, where she talks about superstitious, you know, about uh, her right. father seeing the moon over his left shoulder and spilling yeah. salt and things like that. And uh, I, I think that it's, uh, there are some different ones throughout different areas of the country. It's interesting when that's put into stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my mother... Uh had a superstition of black cats with yellow eyes. Uh, she thought that they were disembodied souls. And if and supposedly if you were to die while you had one of these cats, its soul, or, or if the cat died while you had it, uh, it would inherit your body. The soul of the cat would inherit your body. So, <laughs> uh, Made for some interesting table talk and bedtime stories. Yeah, I know you have a, uh, a story that you tell about... Um, Oh, who is it? The I can't think of her name. It's in Daughters of the Appalachians. The the conjure man, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse. I love that story yeah. because it's there's first of all it's uh, very uh, Appalachian in its feel and in the story and everything, but just the whole idea that there is this mystery man up on the mountain who you know conjures up uh, all these potions and whatnot. Uh, it's it's really great to hear stories from different parts of the country so you can learn more about uh, the people who live there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, 
that conjure man, um, that story came to me when I was thinking about my father. My father used to love to tell conjure man stories. And the interesting thing about the conjure man is he is possessed of a very powerful magic. And yet it does nobody any good. Everybody who uses it is sorry afterwards. So um, you would think they would learn their lessons, wouldn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, thank you, Linda. And we'll be back uh, shortly here with news from Linda Goodman on Hear Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers. And we'll be right back. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Hi, this is Deb Coletti, and I am your host of Life on Purpose, a radio show where I'll be having conversations with a wide range of fascinating women who are, in my opinion, leading a truly rich life. We will laugh, we will cry, we will sometimes get very serious. It will get edgy. It will definitely be irreverent and uh, no, no subject off limits. Tune in to hear where we go and even join in the conversation. Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. on the Hear Women Talk Network. Are you hungry and looking for something delicious and healthy, convenient, quick, and value-packed? Check out our favorite, Jimmy Sabachi. Everything is sizzling and cooked precisely to order, and they use only the freshest ingredients, including sterling silver premium meats. Try their $5 daily lunch chicken plate with fried rice and veggies, or check out their Korean beef lunch plate with sesame and soy and just a slight touch of sweetness. Mmm. For dinner, try their mouth-watering salmon, mahi-mahi, scallops, or tender, juicy filet mignon. You can dine in or take out, and they even have a drive-up window. Jimmy's Hibachi delivers, too. Open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m., conveniently located in Myrtle Beach on the corner of Kings Highway and 62nd Avenue North. Call ahead with your order at 839-8008 and download their discount coupon on the hearwomentalk.com website. Scrumptious, fast, healthy, satisfying, and reasonably priced. You'll love Jimmy's Hibachi, 839-8008. Hi, this is John Banks with the Zeus Radio Network and Hear Women Talk. Come join me on Mondays from 2 to 3 p.m. with Bringing Man Out of the Cave. We're going to try to take an interesting look at the male-female dynamic as I try to give you answers as to why men do what they do. Come join me. On Mondays. Hello, race fans. This is Jeff Gilder, creator of RacersReunion.com. When you're in Myrtle Beach, check out my favorite, the Caravelle Resort. The Caravelle Resort has a golf department and concierge with golf privileges at virtually every course on the Grand Strand, including the coveted Dunes Club. And ladies, pamper yourself with Caravelle's Studio Spa. Featuring services such as Swedish massage, heated stone therapy, reflexology, manicures, pedicures, facials, and more. Awaken your senses with the most requested massage and spa therapies. The Caravelle Resort, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 800-507-9145. Get the best rate on the Grand Strand when you use promo code RACERS at thecaravelle.com. 800-507-9145. Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Donna. Join us Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on HearWomenTalk.com. <laughs> Friday's the day. Here, hey, We're just hush. I'm doing this. Friday's the day. HearWomenTalk.com is the place for fun and fantasy entertainment. 
And it's dirty. And information. It's sexy. Right here on Hear Women Talk Radio. It's sassy. We'll be here. <laughs> you should be too. You're going to love it. Hi, this is Michelle with Labellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell, and I'm here with Linda Goodman, who's going to give us the storytelling news now. So, Linda, what do you have for us? Well, I want to tell everybody to mark their calendars for September 2nd through the 4th. That's Labor Day weekend. And that's when the 21st annual Timpanago Storytelling Festival is going to be held in Orem, Utah. That's O-R-E-M. That's about 50 miles south of Salt Lake City. This year's featured tellers include, among others, Eshu Bumpus and Modico, both from Massachusetts, so we know them well. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Ellis, who is a wonderful storyteller from Texas. Lynn Ford, wonderful storyteller, musician. Bill Lepp, uh, he's won several Liars contests and quite a funny guy. Mm-hmm. Antonio Sacre, who is a Latino, very popular on the storytelling circuit. Ed Stivender, a funny man, very intellectual man, very funny. Uh, one of my favorite tellers, Tim Tingle, and another of my favorites, Kim Whitecamp, who I think is going to be on your show soon. Right, right. Yep, I'm going to be talking to her. Well, what sure. a lineup. I mean, this is a dream lineup. Um, and if you, if anybody wants details, you can visit the festival website at www.timpfest. That's T-I-M-P-F-E-S-T dot org. Or you can call 801-229-7436. That number again is 801-229-7436. And, and Chris, from what I understand, this is beautiful country up there in Utah, and there are lots of uh, places to visit, so you can extend your stay beyond the weekend. Mm. You can vis- visit uh, Bridal Vale Falls, the Sundance Resort, Thanksgiving Point, Utah Olympic Park, and the Timpanagos Cave, so you can actually make a good week out of it. Yeah, it sounds like it. Okay. Uh, well, thank you, Linda. And, uh, You're welcome. I'd like to thank all our listeners today, and uh, join us again with Hear Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers and get the story behind the story. Mm-hmm.